0: You listen to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Shank, I'm starting to wonder what's happening to Alcoholics Anonymous.
1: Uh, in reference to what?
0: Well, I was at a conference this weekend and, um, pretty, pretty big deal. And the chairman of the conference or the, the, the yeah, I guess he's the chairman on Friday night when they were like op- the opening of the conference, he gets up on the stage and he puts a chair on the corner as <laughs> a big stage. He put a chair on the corner of the stage. I am not making this up. And he gets up to the microphone. He says, I put that chair on the corner of the stage because that's where my higher power is going to sit.
1: <laughs> Perfect. And
0: I'm like, what in the world is this guy doing? And then he talked about there were six other chairs up on the stage that were behind these tables. We're. People were gonna sit, and he said Th- those chairs are for the babies that uh, were gonna be born into the- this disease. <laughs> and uh, I don't know; it's there's so much goofy stuff out there. So, so a bunch of us went up and took pictures of the chair, and we sat in the chair and got got the power from the chair.
1: <laughs> Good.
0: Yeah. So that's great uh, news.
1: You should have just su- sat in the chair the entire time.
0: Well, we thought about it, but we wanted to make room, leave room for God, in the chair. Nice. <laughs> oh man! Well, welcome. We've got a great guest today. His name is Blockay. I think it's actually Blake, but we're calling him Blockay. Uh, Blockay, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: First and foremost, I think you were probably the most
0: creative when you spelt balake. I've
2: seen a number of variations of that, and um, I, I like the one that you've got outlined here on our agenda. Well, you had to uh, thank
0: Shank for that. I didn't, That wasn't
2: me. it's
0: just just baffling,
2: baffling in itself that you didn't take credit for that. So we're <laughs> off to a good start. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks. I uh I was kinda hoping, as as just mentioned, um, to hear a little bit of introduction music, sing some some BB King along with it. And uh just kinda it's it's a different when you're on the other side of it. So I guess I'll have to wait until uh this goes uh goes live. Yes.
0: Um
2: but uh yeah, a little bit about me. So my name is Blake. Uh I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date's July 17th, 2017. Um I usually follow that up by just uh, stating um, that I'm not the same person that I was prior to that date. Like I have been transformed by a program of vigorous action and uh, and my life has transformed in every every way. Um, it really has. Um, I do have a home group, uh, primary purpose group in Southern Pines, North Carolina. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you. Mondays and Thursday evenings at seven o'clock. Um, not going to go into... Uh, our formats, you'd have to find out for yourself. You just come check us out. Um, I've got a sponsor that knows he's my sponsor. Um, we actually met this morning and uh, try to stay current with him. So uh, a little bit about me. Um, and I think the question that, that Jerry asked is how I got to AA. Uh, I'm a guy that started drinking um, 11 years old, drank for, uh, started off for approval. From older siblings and her friends, and uh, lived in a household that was kind of chaotic and didn't really have a lot of discipline, and uh, just um, you know a lot of a lot of tension within the household. Um, mm-hmm. And if there was uh, a good way to describe that is if uh, if there was ever a buddy's household that you guys had growing up that you could just go get hammered on a Tuesday night, and it didn't matter because their parents didn't care what you did. Uh, that was our household. So nice. I, uh, yeah, I, I had a. Uh, I was exposed to a lot of things at an early age. Um, and, uh, by no means any of those circumstances determined that, uh, uh the way that I turned out, but it was, uh, it was definitely some fuel for the fire. Um, I, uh, drank started drinking at 11, got exposed to other things, you know, shortly thereafter. And, um, I'm here to tell you, I had a lot of fun loved what alcohol was doing for me in that moment. And uh, throughout those teenage years into my early twenties, and I, um, I just enjoyed the effect produced by alcohol. I enjoyed being able to fit in, to feel part of, I enjoyed being able to, uh, to just be one amongst many um, from steers to captain's table. Right. And uh, I just love being able to, um, uh, to seek approval for, cause you know, I think a lot of that had to do with the uh, the, uh, the inferiority. How how do you say that word Weaver? Um,
0: that's meaning shrapnel. You'll have to ask somebody else, huh?
2: inferiority inside of me. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, I I just, I kind of felt less than, you know what I mean? Growing up. Oh, I thought you
0: were going to say you, you were had in, you were a egomaniac with inferiority complex or whatever that dumb statement is. People say,
2: yeah, I I believe that's a dumb (laughs) statement, but I've, uh, I've probably been clinically diagnosed that as well though. So, um, probably <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm a guy that, um, that when I start drinking, I, uh, I take full advantage. I love, um, uh, the, the lifestyle that went with it. I love being able to, um, you know, skip school, run with the boys, uh, grew up on the coast. We'd skip school, go drink on the beach, go surfing. Um, and, uh, just have no responsibilities, no real responsibilities. Um, I, uh, I, I remember walking across the, the stage, they let me graduate high school somehow or another. And I told the story the other day to some guys outside of the meeting. Um, I was borderline blackout hammered, drunk. I was wearing a gown with sandals and, uh, with flip-flops and socks walking across the, the stage during graduation. Um, and had uh, like board shorts on underneath it. And it's just a terrible look for my whole family and everything, right? And um, my grandmother, she's she's currently 99. She's still pretty sharp um, and uh, still lives on her own and everything. I went to go visit her over this this past summer. And, um, you know, here I am, this is 20 years ago and I'm thinking they've all, you know, nobody, nobody remembered that. And she brought it up when we were visiting. She, <laughs> and so it's just like, here I am thinking that these situations that uh um that I've kind of buried deep down inside, you know, didn't impact anybody else. And and she's the one that brought it up to me. And uh mm-hmm. so it was clear that that my my drinking had a, a, an impact on other people. Um so early 20s, um, got introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous through uh some people that thought that I had a problem. Um You know, uh, I went to detoxes, treatment centers, um, could never really get it there. Uh, And I'm a guy that you put me in a treatment center or detox or jail cell for 30 or 60 or 90 days. um, And I'm feeling better. I'm sleeping better. I'm eating better. Um, Things tend to look up. I can't wait to get out of there and I can't wait to restart life. I can't wait to uh, have a, a second chance of life after that. Um, and I get out of there and within about 48 hours, I'm right back to it and can't tell you how it happened. Um, what I've come to realize is lack of power has been my dilemma this entire time. Um, and that, uh, I was never willing to tap into any sort of power. I've been introduced to other guys that were practicing, um, they were practicing spiritual principles in their lives that allowed them to access the power to keep them sober. And so I knew that there was guys that drank like I did And I used to run the streets like I did. And they had similar stories to me. And I knew that something had changed in their lives. Um, But I wasn't really willing to accept whatever they had to do to get to where they were. And uh, so when I got sober in 2017, it wasn't the uh, darkest time of my life. I'd been... um, you know, I I'd been I had a home and a car at that point. I didn't, still didn't have a license, but I had a, a home, a car, and a job. Um, whereas previous times that I tried getting sober, um, uh, you know, I was really nowhere to live, no no real place to live. I'm, I'm just couch surfing, in and out of uh, detoxes just to get off the streets. Staying at the shelter on North Tryon Street in Charlotte. Don't don't really recommend that for anybody. Um, but when I got sober in 2017, although the outside circumstances weren't falling around me as much as they had in the past, I just knew that something needed to change. I knew that, uh, knew that I was probably, uh, just going to continue to live that way for the rest of my life if I didn't try to get some help and straighten up. So I called a buddy of mine that's an Alcoholics Anonymous and I just told him that, um, here I am back at it. You know what I mean? And uh, I needed some help. And he just said, Blake, you've been trying this for a long time. And he said, uh, have you ever sincerely hit your knees and asked something greater than you to remove the obsession to drink and use drugs? And, um, I had never really done that at that point. I never really believed in anything at that point. Didn't believe that, uh, there was a power out there. Um, but at that point in time, this was coming from a guy that I knew it was just as hopeless as I was several years before that. And his life had straightened out and he had been helping others. And so at that point I became willing and, uh, commenced to get results, um, I said a prayer that night, uh, don't really know what I prayed or who I prayed to. It didn't put a name on it, but I slept peacefully, which is something that I was not doing. I woke up the next morning and I did the same thing. Um, ask God to keep me sober, uh, and continue to try to do that on a daily basis. Um, so that's kind of, that's the start of, um, me getting sober. Uh, and obviously there's a lot more that's happened since then, but I try to try to pray every day that I never forget where I've come from and, and stick to, to most of the basics that, that, um, got me on this journey. So
0: yeah, probably doesn't answer any of your questions. Well, you know, yeah. Well, you know, if you never leave the basics, you don't have to go back to the basics.
2: I'm assuming that's strafnil from a previous I think, episode. I think
0: they, well, I think they wrote a book back to basics and if you never leave them, you don't have to go back to them. And I hope you've stopped wearing socks with flip-flops. Um, that's one of those things where you, (laughs) (laughs) that's got to go blockade. That sounds Uh, like
1: that's for life. That's a decision (laughs) you make for life.
0: Yep. Oh my goodness. Shank, what's the topic today?
1: All right. We are on episode 11. So we are to the 11th sentence of the nine step promises, which is our topic today we will intuitively know how to handle situations, which used to baffle us.
0: Like no, no socks with (laughs) flip-flops.
1: Well, maybe there's still some work for block a yet.
0: Block a, what do you think about that promise?
2: (sighs) I'm actually shocked that you guys asked me to lead this topic because I'm not that intuitive of a person. Um, Intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. I was baffled with my introduction to AA um, at guys that were on fire with helping others. Uh, just a, an experience that comes to mind, and you may have heard me share this behind a podium before. I think it is powerful. I remember some of the very one of the first AA meetings that I ever attended, and uh, there was a guy that introduced himself to me outside the meeting wanted to exchange numbers um, and just kind of spend some time talking with me. And um, I didn't want it. I, I was probably still drinking at that meeting. And uh, the next day, you know, um, just like any good drunk, I'm uh, laid up on grandma's couch because she's the only one that would allow me to stay somewhere at that moment in time. Um, and uh, the phone rings uh, on her house phone. And it's this guy that I'd met the night before at the meeting, and he's calling to ask me how my day's going and and what's going on or if I had any plans or was going to go to another meeting. And uh, in that moment, I'm just thinking like, here I am, unemployable, no cell phone, nowhere to live, uh, nothing going in my life. And this loser's got nothing better to do than to reach out to a newcomer. And ask how their day is going. And I was baffled by that. I really was. That mm-hmm. was just an experience that came to mind as far as uh, um, how somebody was so uh, um, in- invested in other people's sobriety. And so full circle, I'm that guy these days. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how'd you handle it? I think I hung up the <laughs> phone on him. <them.
2: laughs>
0: Did you? Yeah.
2: Think. i don't i really don't recall i don't think i ever met with that guy afterwards um but it's uh you know and if he happens to be listening to this or you know what i mean like it's just one of those experiences i can't even tell you the fellow's name couldn't tell you what he looks like but uh it's obviously those little things that impact us uh along our journeys especially in early recovery especially in early sobriety um okay. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the first letter of that guy's name, nor anything else about him. Uh, but he he had an impact uh, on, on my sobriety today. Yeah,
0: Shank, help us a little bit with uh, the word intuitive and baffle.
1: What? Okay, well, um, intuitive is possessing or given to intuition or insight. So intuition is the faculty of knowing or understanding something without reasoning or proof.
0: Okay. So you just kind of know stuff.
1: You I just know the, stuff.
0: I wonder if that's the vital sixth sense that they talk about in step 10? Could be. Yeah. I just intuitively kind of knew that it just,
1: <laughs>
0: it just hit me. <laughs>
1: Uh baffle is to confuse or perplex, especially so as to frustrate or even prevent from taking action. Hmm. So it sounds like that's what Blockade was going through when that man called him at his grandma's house while he was on the couch. Yep. Probably yeah. in his socks and flip-flops. I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Without a doubt. And so that's the thing is that those situations that I, I mean, I was baffled by that. Um, and there's obviously a number of situations that that used to baffle us that today that I can really take with me. Uh, another one being um, uh, how people just had normal lives, really, like that was just a big one that I did not understand and could not comprehend um, prior, to, prior to getting sober uh, is how I had folks that I used to grow up with that you know, like went off to college and then did something crazy They like came back with a degree and like started raising a family and getting jobs yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and I just I, like, it was so foreign to me, you know, um, uh, by no means did I take that path later in life, but it was just in that moment in time. Um, I can understand uh, uh, a little bit behind uh, the action that was taken to be able to get to where people are today. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I was certainly baffled. I mean, when I was drinking, I was baffled as to why my life was going so bad, why it appeared that everybody was out to get me, why it appeared that you know I had been given a bad hand and everybody else had been given a good hand at life. Hmm. Looking back on it, I mean, some of that stuff wasn't true. It was true that my life was not hidden, hidden anywhere, but I didn't even realize at the time that it was because of my drinking and my my selfishness and self centeredness that that was causing that. Um, some of that went away when I when I got sober and started to make different decisions and started getting some different results. Um, and I think that I think the the intuition I I don't know this this promise is always. I always just kind of looked at it as I, I start making better decisions. Um, but my my world was so limited when I was drinking. I mean i've I've listened to four steps where people have like four, five, six, seven hundred resentments at people. Hell, I didn't know forty people when I got sober. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I I didn't even know four hundred people. I'd be lucky if I knew forty. So anyway my my world was so small it wasn't like i had a whole lot of you know life experience at at it's at, at a lot of things so while
1: i was drinking i think like i made decisions like i knew not to drink and drive but i chose to do it anyway like i was not baffled at the outcome of that uh, right. i wasn't happy about it i was very fearful you know you name it the only thing I can really kind of think of from when I was newly sober, that really baffled me. Now, this is after I was sober. I don't believe I was to the step is one of the women that brought the meeting into the prison where I was, was very pregnant. And my sponsor at the time was very pregnant. And they still came into this maximum security prison and I remember just like telling both of them, like, isn't there someone else who can like come in here? Like, why are you risking your health and your baby's health? Like, I just don't understand why they're making you do this. And, yeah. um, I mean, both of them were just like, okay, keep coming back or, you know, whatever, like get to the 12th step. You'll do this one day. Like you will help people. You'll go to any sorted spot to help alcoholics who are suffering. So, um, that's the only one that I can really think of, but as far as when I was drinking, I don't know, maybe something will come to me, but my life was pretty limited as well. And I was 24 when I arrived here. So I hadn't really racked up that much life experience, yeah. honestly. You know, I just yeah, wasn't out there doing too much.
0: I kind of isolated and drank
1: mostly. <laughs> yeah. I, I isolated, mean, not- drank, cried chain smoked cigarettes and called people and hung up yes exactly (laughs) that pretty much sums it up
0: you ever call Uh, people like two two or three in the morning
1: yeah of course and then deleted my entire call history in a blackout the next day like well i guess i just i don't know what happened so i don't have to feel bad about it
0: they won't remember it i'm sure
1: oh no
0: Block a, is there any uh, particular amend, amends that you made that has helped you that you want to tell us about?
2: Yeah, I can share a little bit about the amends process. I will say that based on the question that was uh, provided, um, it's tough to answer if any particular amend allows me to understand this part of the ninth step promises anymore. Um, so there was a guy, I was – uh you know, going through an inventory and, and I'm sure whichever way a sponsor has you guys doing it, it's exactly the way it needs to be done, hopefully. Um, but I was told to, uh, you know, try to stay away from, um, financial amends to like drug dealers and stuff like that. Um, but there was a guy, I I did some pretty shady stuff when I was out there and, um, uh, I was probably a year sober. I was at home visiting a a buddy of mine and and he was in the program and we were headed to a meeting and um, I think it was maybe just a noon meeting or something. And he said, my buddy told me, he said, I'm going to go pick this new guy up. I'm thinking, uh, great, all about it. Like, let's go get a newcomer and take him to the 12 o'clock meeting. And sure enough, we go pick this guy up that I had robbed a couple of years ago. And, um, and so, and and I say robbed loosely, I'm not, I'm no, you know, uh, uh, Western cowboy, but like just one of those guys in my drug escapades, you know, and and when I needed to get what I needed, like, if you've got some money floating around, I'm going to take it from you. And, um, here's this guy living in a recovery home or a halfway house, wherever he was, and we're taking him to a meeting and we rode to that meeting and, uh, we left that meeting and it was on my mind. And I'd be more than willing to bet it was on his too. Cause that would yeah. have been the last interaction that we had had with one another. So when we took him back to his halfway house, I got out of the car and I pulled him to the side and just let him know that uh, there's a way of life that's available to him, that if he continues to practice the spiritual principles that are, that are outlined, that he could, um, that he can get uh, everything back in his life that he had lost. And he could, um, he can continue to live one day at a time without having a drink. And, and I think, I don't recall the, and I think it's irrelevant. I don't recall the monetary value of what it was that I took from him, but I think I gave him a few bucks and I just told him that uh, I'm sorry for our last interaction and that, that I hope this uh, is a good example of of what Alcoholics Anonymous is supposed to be. And uh, I'll tell you, he's still sober today. He's probably been sober five years uh, at least. So um, that's just, it's just one of many amends that I like to think about, um, especially from early sobriety.
1: Did he ever submit an invoice to you for the exact amount?
2: <laughs> he did not. Great question, though. Great. That sounds like something. <laughs> that sounds like something I would have
1: done. I, I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna right. itemize it, and uh, I'm gonna get everything out of it that I believe that was deserved. Right. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like you intuitively knew how, knew how to handle the situation. Because if it had been the old thinking, you probably would have ignored it, or lied about it, or not said anything about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: what about you, Jay Wayne?
0: What about me, Shank? That
1: are there any amends that you made that helped you uh, with this well, promise? All of,
0: all of them have helped me. I'll tell you. So uh, this is—I have to go real quick with this one because I hadn't thought about this in years until Block A was sharing his experience. I was at a one of my sister's high school graduations and I was sober. I was, I was sober. I was, um, it would have, it would have had to been probably a year or two sober. And I'm walking. I went to the bathroom. I'm walking back to the stage and I see this guy coming, walking towards me. And it was a, it was a high school teacher that I I uh, used some racial slurs against him in class. I stabbed another student with a pencil in his class and hurt her pretty bad, and uh, <laughs> and I I I, uh, I did some vandalism to his to his car at a basketball game one night at the school that we got caught for it. Um and I had forgotten all about it. I mean I didn't I didn't I mean I just I mean I didn't even I it never even crossed my mind when I was going through the steps. But when I saw him it was like all of it came back. (laughs) Every bit of it came back and I'm like, man, what do I what am I gonna do? I got scared and nervous and he came up and I'm like, we we said, Hey, how you doing? and you know, had seen you in a while. Yeah. And um, I was like, it just came to me. I'm like, well, I just need to do it. And I basically told him, you know, stuff I'd done and explained it and, you know, told him that I was, uh, you know, regretted doing it, and was willing to do whatever I needed to do to make it right. And you know what he said? He looked at me and he said, he says, he says, "Well, Jerry," he says, "I think your parents paid for the the tires that you cut. Maybe, you <laughs> oh ought to, maybe, no, maybe maybe you <laughs> ought to maybe you ought to get pay them back." And the other thing is, he says, "We just expect students like you to act like that. It wasn't a big deal to me."
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's almost worse than him telling you something you could do. It was talk to your parents, was. and we expected it from you.
0: Yeah, and I was like, "Man, but." So anyway, I don't know if I mean that helped me to I don't know what it helped me to do, but uh it was a it was an interesting conversation. It it ended up being fine. I mean, he was he was laughing and he was glad to know that I was doing well. That's right. Um but but uh yeah, I mean the, the, it just came to me to just to do to do it and and I did it. So
2: So let me ask you this, was he on your original inventory? No, uh uh-uh so that's the good no thing, not at right?
0: all i i for, i mean i had forgotten all about it yeah didn't even think about it Same until with i the saw
2: experience. that's right same with the experience i just shared that's yeah right. and that's and it's about us to take action on that and you know in those moments i, I think uh a relationship with the creator is going to be a little more beneficial than picking up the phone and calling a sponsor
0: and how you navigate that amends right well that's right yeah i agree I agree. Shake, you want to move on to Battle of the Books?
1: Let's hit it.
0: Insert cool sound effects here.
1: Uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right. So <laughs> we are on step 11, round 11, Battle of the Books. The big book let's is really... A crushing it so we'll see if step 11 is where the 12 by 12 can gain some traction
0: i don't know they're gonna potentially have to stop selling it
1: (laughs) okay so our reading from the big book of alcoholics anonymous is from page 86 and it says on awakening let us think about the 24 hours ahead we consider our plans for the day Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-penny, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And then the 12 by 12 is from page 102. And it says, in the morning, we think of the hours to come. Perhaps we think of our day's work and the chance, chances it may afford us to be useful and helpful, or of some special problem that it may bring. Possibly today we'll see a continuation of a serious and as yet unresolved problem left over from yesterday. Our immediate temptation will be to ask for specific solutions to specific problems and for the ability to help other people as we have already thought they should be helped. In that case, we are asking God to do it our way therefore we ought to consider each request carefully to see what its real merit is
0: I did it my way
1: (laughs) is that the radio
0: wow
1: oh I didn't know that was beautiful
0: (laughs) well Block A said he wanted some sound effects so I gave him one
1: (laughs) what do you think Blake
2: so, um, if you're asking me to debate it, I think that's, uh, um, uh, we can go ahead and vote, but anyways, um, I think they're both, uh, applicable, um, I will say that it shows within the 12 and 12 that the, um, the purpose of this passage, I suppose, is to really determine, like, what our... Uh, Our thought processes are are whether they're on self or uh, on others, and that leads into our prayer lives as well. And and I definitely can attest to the fact that, um, as it's mentioned within the 11th step, uh, that I come to rely upon the fact that when I pray for other people, that my prayers become answered rather than like uh, we can easily see why our selfish answers our selfish prayers never become answered um and the 12 and 12 truthfully i don't have a lot of experience reading the 12 and 12 going through it um this passage kind of puts forth what the uh the context is uh, on the topic that we're discussing but at the end of the day i think it's i think it's pretty clear cut within the big book
1: jay wayne
0: Well, so if I'm reading the twelve by twelve reading correctly, it's basically telling us to not ask for specific solutions to specific problems.
1: That is what it sounds like. Yes.
0: Because that's that's uh, we're asking God to do it our way. If we do that, I'm gonna have to ponder that for a little bit, Shank.
1: Doesn't it say in the Big Book that we do ask? Well, for.
0: It implies that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It does imply that. So The, um, I mean, the 12 by 12 reading, as far as the kind of the the initial instructions about thinking about the hours to come in the morning and asking for, you know, chances to be useful and helpful, I mean, that's... There's nothing wrong with that. Again,
1: I do like like where it says possibly today we will see a continuation of a serious and as yet unresolved problem left over from yesterday. I like that sentence, you know, because in my life, I would really love everything to be cut and dry dealt with today. Did I take an action for it today? Okay, wrap it up, done on to the next. But um That's just not life. So I like that sentence, but I do think that it's also implied that this is not an overnight matter in the big book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing interesting about that particular statement is the, the 11th step instructions on when we retire at night Mm -hmm. that a lot of people think is the 10th step, but it's not. It's the 11th step. I think it implies, it basically says we shouldn't go to bid with unresolved issues that, Mm -hmm. you know, should we call somebody immediately Mm -hmm. or should we make an amends immediately? Um, I have found that sometimes that's difficult to do. Um, I guess if you've done the 10th step during the day, you wouldn't have anything to, it would have already been resolved. Right. So I don't know. I, 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 I personally like, how specific the, t- the big book is.
1: Are y'all ready to vote?
0: And, um, of course. Block A, you got any other comments on it?
2: I was just looking at the last sentence of the 12 and 12, uh, whereas we ought to consider each request carefully, to see what the real merit is. Um, by no means am I a scholar. I imagine merit just means like the uh, motive behind
0: it. Is that right?
1: <laughs> there you go. Hey
0: is that, that okay, sound- oh, okay we'll agree with you on that he's just making crap up as far as i can tell i don't know
2: that's, that was a question that's a um, question Ought to consider each request carefully to see what the real mer- what its real merit is let's look up merit
1: A virtue
2: that's still so too big of a word for me
0: is he back referring to the unresolved issues that we're going to try to play god on I'm sorry solve problem that. left over from yesterday is that what is he still talking about that <laughs> this is virtue
1: achievements a person's qualities actions etc regarding as indicating what the person deserves to receive
2: so a motive mm-hmm. no okay just uh, I, I don't know it's just kind of the way that I uh, that I look at it but yeah to answer your question yeah I am I'm
0: ready to vote. <laughs> Therefore, we ought to consider each request. What request?
2: <sighs> hmm. To ask for specific solutions to specific problems.
0: Uh, yeah, okay.
1: Could be. Might could.
0: Well, okay, which reading are you going with? This is why um, I mean, twelve and twelve's already confused the three of us here just in a matter of minutes. Clearly, I need to read it. Um, yeah,
2: I, I'm or not. The, You've been pretty book of. <laughs> I'm going to
0: go with the book of Psalms on this one. Okay. This, um, tough choice, Wayne. Well, you've well you've done pretty well up to this point without reading it, right?
2: Uh, I suppose so.
0: People have a hard time just turning the book down. It's okay if you don't want it. I'm going Big Book, Shane. All All right.
1: The Big Book wins round 11.
0: (laughs) Well... At this point, there's no way the twelve and twelve can win the the, the full on battle. But so it, should we it, just scrap the entire? It's, it's trying. Maybe more more will be revealed. We've got we've got another episode to discuss it, and then a wrap up, and the we'll
1: and then we write our later. letter to GSO and sign your name to it. <laughs>
0: yeah lovely (laughs) hey
2: i'd love to hear from from me general Mm -hmm. service yeah
0: hold on now now shank we haven't even said any of this and maybe we shouldn't but we're talking to a man right here that's that's on the area committee we could actually get him to (laughs) we don't need to go say a whole lot more about that but he could go ahead and uh What's the, oh, an agenda item. We can go ahead and get him to write an agenda item, do away with it.
1: Nice, nice. Would
0: you submit that blockade? If we write it for you, will you (laughs) run that through the structure? Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Yes. The voice of AA, is it not? Well, we think, yes, absolutely. We're now Um, in the minority, and you know, the minority is supposed to be, you're supposed to listen to the minority voice. All right. Well, we got your support. We'll get our chat bot to, write the agenda item and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna send it to you hey we appreciate cool. you coming on block A and sharing your experience with us
2: thanks y'all appreciate it
0: thanks Great. for having me yep and uh, keep listening for more block A's story
2: well, I'm grateful to be here thanks for having me I'm a bit nervous hope it'll wear off in a bit um, we'll just kind of set a quick prayer and uh, and uh Ask God to allow me to speak from the heart, not the mind, Um, and to uh, not take myself so seriously, and hopefully carry an effective message of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sobriety date July seventeenth, two thousand seventeen, and I'm not the same man that I was before that day. I'll tell you, I'll I'll say it that way, and and we'll kind of get into that a little bit. Uh, Julie, thanks for asking me to be here. Um, Really had no idea who Julie was when she called me. Uh, (laughs) I think it may have started with a voicemail and then a text, and that was a couple of weeks ago, and I was actually, <clears throat> when I called you back, I was, I was, I was in route to uh, speak at another meeting. And um, so I was trying not to think about what I'm going to share tonight going to that meeting. You know, and uh, it's just, yeah, I got a sick mind, right? Um, but thanks. Uh, appreciate you pointing out the singleness of purpose. I'll do my best. Um, and y'all have already warned me that, that Aloha Bill will be taken over if I can't suffice. <laughs> we'll see there um but it's it's nerve-wracking pulling into a parking lot packed full of cars a bunch of people standing outside i hadn't been i hadn't been up here in a while you know uh uh, my home group also meets on thursday nights and and i don't have the opportunity to to make it up here as as often as i'd like um uh and uh i will say that you know when i when i first came to this group a couple years ago a few years ago i've been to the speaker meetings out there and the pastor, if you will, and, and the, the little house. And, um, you know, every speaker meeting that I've been to here has always carried an effective message. Um, but they've always walked away with this plaque and it's, uh, I think it's a page. And so ever since seeing that for the first time, I've got like a a spot marked off on my bookshelf, right? Um, so, I don't know whose job that is Julie's but uh, y'all stopped doing that, of course, Yet last week, yeah, last month, that makes, that makes sense, right? Um, but no, uh, uh, really, thanks for, thanks for asking me, I enjoy being able to do anything for Alcoholics Anonymous and try to set aside any fears, any nervousness, and uh, share a message. Uh, my, my home group is Primary Purpose Group of Southern Pines, um, I know several of you have spoken down there, I recognize several faces here. It's good to see friends that I haven't seen in a long time. It's good to see uh, new people that I've been able to meet and um, just kind of kind of be involved, be intertwined, and, and walk into a door where there's eight people you can't walk past without introducing themselves and shaking hands. And, and, and that's kind of the AA that I was brought upon uh, when I got sober. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, our home group tonight is... Uh, uh, It's December 1st, and and, uh, we've got a Christmas party tonight, Um, and I've learned not to ask questions, and I I had no idea who referred me to speak. Uh, My my initial thought was, my sponsor questions my sobriety on a weekly basis, so it probably wasn't him, you know, and... uh, it turns out it was so y'all can blame him um but uh and and I guess we kind of did like a trade because y'all got a home group member down there speaking tonight and uh if it's anything like like fantasy football or something like y'all got the first string quarterback speaking down there and and they sent up the third string running back up here so uh you know, I, uh, uh, I would love to be there and, and, and be there to, to hear Susie's message. And, and I'm sure she's doing a great job there. And, uh, but I'm also glad to be here, glad to be in the present. And, um, yeah, uh, it's, um, I went tie shopping yesterday. I went to the thrift store. Um, I bought a new tie. Anybody ever get the thought that, uh, like, that tie would make me sound better or, like, uh, make my message more powerful? Yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> if, if you get that salt, then yeah, self centeredness is a different level, right? Uh, turns out I bought a few ties and still wore an old one that I had, but um, I enjoy dressing up like this and I enjoy being able to, uh, to stand behind podiums and uh, once again, just not take myself so seriously. Um, within that home group of mine, I've uh, got service commitments. I've um, been a trusted servant there the last couple of years. I'll be rotating out of that in January. I've um, got outside commitments and uh, try to stay committed to those on a, you know on a, on a scheduled basis. Um, I've got a sponsor uh, that I that I try to stay current with, um, and I've got opportunities to sponsor other guys in the program. Um, I guess uh, my job here this evening, uh, as, as most of you will all know, is to. To share in a general way what I used to be like, what happened, and what I'm like now, and, and, and as I mentioned my sobriety date, I always like to follow that with the fact that I'm not the same person that I was, um, and uh, you know, through a, through a spiritual program of action, um, God, of my understanding, and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I've been able to uh, to transform. You know, and I can't really explain uh, how that's happened. I'll, I'll do the best that I can, just giving you some tidbits of information on, on where I was at in life and where I'm at today. <clears throat> I grew up in uh, um, Charleston, South Carolina. I grew up in a little beach town there. Uh, that's home. Uh, in fact, uh, the beach that I'm from, uh, my grandmother, uh, this, my grandmother's 98 years old. and She still lives in the same house out there she's been in for over 70 years. And, and, uh, I've got a bad habit of telling, telling fibs. so I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I'd be willing to bet she's lived on that beach longer than anybody out there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, that was my dad's family and, um, and there were six of them and, and pretty close knit family. All six of them at one point in time lived on the beach. I had all my aunts and uncles and grandma within, you know, 10 blocks of each other. And, uh, that's kind of how childhood was. Uh, loved every bit of it. Um, got an older sister um, and not a lot of complaints, uh, not a lot of uh, um, major happenings in early childhood um, and uh, you know just pretty, pretty routine family um, the uh, uh, growing up definitely some signs of dishonesty and manipulation. Um, you know, I've uh, uh, never been a big fan of school and, and I'd, uh, you know, second and third grade going into the nursing station, acting sick, faking sick and going home early. Um, and just looking back on that now in the middle of it, I didn't know what I was doing, but at that time, you know, looking back on it now, uh, uh, it's definitely some, some forms of dishonesty that were creeping up at a very young age. Um, and, uh, when I was a uh, couple couple of key things that happened uh, in my childhood that, that I can't blame any, I cannot blame by any means of, of the way that I turned out or, or my alcoholism uh, whatsoever. But um, <clears throat> my parents split up. It was my sister and I living with my mom. Uh, my father passed away tragically when I was 11 years old. My mother was already dating other guys at that point in time, and she was bringing other guys in the house that probably shouldn't have been around, 11 year old kid. Um, he's bringing substances and, and physical abuse into the household, and I probably shouldn't have seen right? And, uh, you know, that was um, a lot of turmoil, and, and they had their own vices at that point in time. And here I am at 11 years old, and uh, I'm hanging out with my older sister. She's 16, 17, and she's hanging out with older kids. And uh, I was introduced to alcohol. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, truthfully, I don't remember my first drunk. Um, uh, I just recall there being, you know, I don't know if anybody's got a house that they could go to on a Tuesday night growing up and just get down and party and do what you wanted to do. Well, that was our house. So um, on any given day, it was, you know, plenty of alcohol, plenty of other substances going around when I was very young. And that was just kind of a lifestyle that I was exposed to 11, 12, 13 years old. And uh, and, and for seeking approval and, and seeking to be a part of and, and wanting to fit in, um, you know, when jello shots or or a bottle of vodka got passed my way, I was all on board, you know, and, and it turned into loving the effect that it produced in my life. And, and uh, what it did was it just kind of allowed me to escape from reality and what else was going on in my life. And and so at a very young age, 12 and 13, once again, my mother and, and stepfather at that point in time um, are, are involved in their own things. My father passed away, and uh, there's no discipline in my life, and um, and and I'm doing what I want to do. Um, I'm, uh, I'm running the roads. I'm, I'm going from, you know, I'm leaving the house for weeks at a time with nobody looking for me. Um, you know, I'm staying on friends' couches, family's couches, whatever people are taking me in and, uh, you know, I'd eventually find my way back to mom's house or, and, and it was just, it wasn't a big deal. It was just a lifestyle that I was exposed to at a very young age. And, uh, I look back and just, I uh, realize that it's not very, uh, uh, not a very amicable, uh, uh, Situation to live in and, and, and grow up in, but it was just part of my experience. And um, and and through that process, uh, once again, uh, any opportunity that I could—by no means was I a daily drinker—but any opportunity that I could at that point in time, um, if there was booze around or if there was any liquor going around, um, you know, I was involved. I wanted something to do with it. I loved the lifestyle that went along with it. I loved the partying. I loved skipping school. You know, I mean, at that age. Uh, it, just significant events that happened in people's lives. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I'd be willing to bet just about everybody in here could probably recall where they were on 9-11, right? I was 11 years old and I was at the surf shop, skipped school that day. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just, that's just how I lived, right? There was, uh, there was no structure in my life whatsoever. And, um, and, you know, story is, is I took, I don't recall this, rightfully so story is i took 12 shots of everclear for my 12th birthday and uh and and i don't know if that's the reason i'm an alcoholic or not but it's just the way that i drank right like it was older kids just kind of egging me on you know and they were like see if he'll do it and you, you bet you yeah you, you, i'm gonna i'm gonna step up to the plate and deliver right and uh that was just um just the extent of my introduction to alcohol and and the partying lifestyle and uh the lifestyle that I continue to take on with me through the years. Um, You know, uh, through my teenage years in high school, uh, I I don't know how I graduated high school. Um, uh, I did somehow or another, uh, you know, I I missed uh, an extended period of time um, throughout high school and and they almost wouldn't let me walk across the stage, but I think they were just trying to get rid of me at that point in time. And so they let me, uh, they let me walk and um, I, uh, you know, it was, I was just a beach bum, really, you know, uh, I, I, I loved skipping school, surfing, hanging out on the beach, and, and going to day parties, turning into night parties, turning into early morning parties, and just, I uh, just loved it, um, you know, I was, I was unemployable at that point in time, and, but yet I was trying to fit in with the class of, uh, People of the the impeccable uh, the impeccable tan upon the wealth of the well to do, right? And uh, is that what it says? Some people read the book in here, I guess, right? Um, and that's just what I wanted to be like. I wanted to be, I wanted to fit in with uh, um, the uh, the achievers in life, but I didn't want to do the work to get there. Um, and wanted to, uh, you know, wanted more out of life, but didn't necessarily want to do the work that it took to uh, to get more. And um, you know, I. Uh, through those teenage years, I probably learned a lot. My, um, my mother finally started getting her, you know, things back together and, um, gradually became part of my life again. And, and for, uh, you know, an actual stable parenthood, I suppose you could put it. And, uh, uh but by that point in time, I, I really could say, I feel comfortable saying that I'd probably grown up as much as I was, you know, uh, i I'd, grown into a, a young adult lifestyle, you know, 17, 18 years old. And, and I was kind of set in my ways at that point in time. And I'm working dead end jobs and not really wanting to, to fulfill myself and, and, and do anything more. Um, and, uh, I, um, uh, excuse me. I got dry mouth. Cotton mouth. I ain't had cotton mouth in a while. Some of y'all know that term. Ah um, so getting out of high school, uh, you know, I, uh, I never really thought there was a reason or, uh, there, I never really thought there was a, uh, a, problem with the way I was drinking. Um, it was just what, what myself and a lot of the friends that I was hanging out with did. Um, there was never any real consequences at a point in time throughout my, my teenage years. And, uh, you know, there'd be, you know, I'd be 14, 15 years old, and I'd be passed out on the lawn of the pier, and the cops would pick me up and take me to my uncle's house or something, and I would kind of, you know, it was a small little area, so they, they knew who I was, but um, for the most part, there's no no real significant consequences. I got away with a lot of stuff, you know, I got a slap on the wrist for a lot of things, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, 18, 19 years old, uh, some of the friends that I was associating with and hanging out with, and... and they're leaving and they're going to college and, uh, you know, good for them, I guess. Uh, I didn't really think much of it. Um, I continue to live the way I was living. I work in a kitchen or, or park cars or whatever, and, and I'd make a paycheck and not show up again and, uh, you go to the next job and make another paycheck and maybe a couple of paychecks and not show up again. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the 18, 19 years turned into 21, 22 years old and, and, it's crazy it's gonna sound really weird but um those same friends that i used to hang out with they were like coming home from college with like degrees and like buying houses and getting married and stuff and i just could have sworn i skipped that day of school you know what i mean like i just did not understand it just baffled me how they were able to have things under control and uh it was just never part of my pedigree or something. And I wanted, I wanted to have what they had, but but once again, I just didn't have that, that, that concept of life at that point. And, um, you know, maybe I'll grow out of it. Maybe I'll, I'll get my things together. Maybe I won't continue to drink the way that I was drinking at that point in time. And, uh, maybe things will get better. Well, um, gradually things got worse and, uh, what it turned into was, you know. a number of other substances in my life, and what that did was just it just ramped up the way that I was, uh, the consequences that I began to suffer. Right, and um, I would, uh, <clears throat> I would uh, at, at twenty one, twenty two years old, um, a couple of made uh, a pretty significant event that took place in my life. Is a buddy of mine and I, we were, uh, we were frequenting. Um, um, a, a, we we're f- frequently in a different state to, to get some things we probably shouldn't have been doing, right? That we probably shouldn't have getting, Sh- probably shouldn't have been getting. And uh, he uh, he ended up dying on one of those trips, and um, it just sent me into a tailwind, right? Um, he didn't come back, and I did, and uh, just the selfishness part of me, just um, you know, I, I was so consumed by uh, um, you know just selfishness and, and and the effects that I was getting from from. From alcohol and other drugs at that point in time, that, that I didn't really care what took place. I, it had nothing to do with me, and um, and uh, it kind of sent me into a spiral, sent me into a downwind, and um, you know, kind of went. You know, I had a lot of people, you know, putting blame on me for, for th- the way that things turned out, and uh, you know, I just kind of sent myself into a, a deep depression, I guess you could say. Really, just look back and know that it's just untreated alcoholism and, and the way that I was living. I had no solution to my problem at that point in time. And, um, I, uh, I lived like that for a couple of years, uh, not, not a couple of years, probably, probably a year. Um, and just really wouldn't leave the house. Uh, I was just, I was kind of scared of people and, and uh, scared of what they think of me and just, just eating up with self-centered fear. And, um, and finally started getting kind of acclimated back into to society and going to parties and, and hanging out with some, some other people. And, uh, I ended up, uh, going to this one party this one night and, uh, and and once again, it's all I lived for at that point in time. Just a bunch of keg parties. Um, and, uh, just the lifestyle that went with it. And I went to this one party at this one girl's house. I ended up, uh, I ended up staying at this girl's house that night. And, uh, I woke up the next morning and started cooking breakfast and didn't leave there for about three years. And um, I quickly found out that she was going to allow me to get away with whatever I wanted to. And uh, that consisted of, uh, you know, her uh, financial resources and and amongst other things. And I was going to milk it to the very end. You know, I was just a manipulator, a taker. And uh, I um, had nothing going for me, you know, and uh, no job, um, no vehicle, uh, no license, um, probably driving her car. Um, and, uh, and I was just willing to kind of ride out whatever, whatever opportunity would present itself. I was, I was game, Right. And, um, and so after a short period of time there, you know, she'd get tired of the way that I was living and, and not really doing anything. She's trying to work and, and do better for her life. And, uh, she'd tell me, she said, Blake, you need to get some help. And, uh, I say, like, well, I really don't want to be homeless. So, um, yeah, let's do this, whatever this looks like. And, uh, and they send me to a, like a, a treatment center or something. And, and I'm there for, uh, you know, uh, a couple of months, um, whatever it was. And, and that was more or less my first introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous is just sitting into a treatment center and then bringing outside meetings in there. And, and, uh, it's a 12 step program and, and, um, I wasn't really doing anything. Um, It was really just an opportunity for me to kind of lay low for a little bit and, you know, kind of get back on track. And uh, I I left there. You know, I made the phone call after 30 or 45 days and and just let them know that I'm cured and I'm ready to come back home. And and, uh, so I left there, and I think I ended up getting up with the boys that night. And um, we got a bottle of tequila on the way home. Um, you know, uh, smoking crack and shooting dope is what got me in there. You know what I mean? And like, so that's what I needed was an opportunity to, to, to get back on the liquor cycle, and um, just kind of get back on that train. And uh, so I started drinking again, and uh, and and sure enough, um, just the the same lifestyle that continued to present itself from previous years. It uh, it turned into me just uh, just lying, cheating, stealing uh, within a very short amount of time. Uh, there was nothing that uh. Uh, that could really stop me at that point in time. And, and that turned into, uh, you know, more um, uh, more jail visits, um, uh, mental health institutions, uh, treatment centers, and name it, right? Uh, and I um, slowly turned into uh, just somebody that, you know, that, that nobody really wanted to be around at the end of the day. Um, I ended up uh, going to... Uh, uh, I think maybe I was in county jail for a few weeks, uh, a couple months, something like that. Uh, pretty routine. I'm no, uh, I'm no hardened criminal, I do petty stuff. You know what I mean? Um, write bad checks, right? Um. Used family's vehicles without permission and, and, uh, and they pull charges out on me, rightfully so. And, uh, in the middle of it, I, I, I play the victim, right? Like, what do you mean I can't use your car? You know? And they tell me I can't use it. And so I just take it. And apparently that's illegal. And, um, uh, <clears throat> so I get in trouble for stuff like that. And, uh, I remember I, I was in, I was in this county jail for, I don't know, seven, eight weeks. And, uh, and I needed like 200 bucks to get out of jail. And, um, not one person that I knew was willing to put 200 bucks up for me to get out of jail. You know what I mean? And they made me sit there. And of course, in the, in, in the middle of that, I'm, I'm the victim. But what do you mean? Nobody's willing to put 200 bucks up for me to get out of jail. And I sat in there until the court date. And, um, it's just, uh, it, my mentality at that point in time was, was just poor me, you know, um, just a self pity, um, and, and I will say, while I was in that jail, you know, nobody came to see me, I have, except one person. Um, uh, I had a guy that came to see me, and uh, he's a guy that I grew up with, one of my best friends today. Um, and he used to smoke like I did, and drink like I did, and shoot like I did, and uh, he had tapped into some sort of solution to his problem. And he didn't come to see me as an old running buddy, he didn't come to see me to put money on my books, he didn't come to see me to bail me out of jail. Uh, he came to see me as a server member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, you know, he just shared uh, a little bit about his experience. We had kind of fallen apart from each other for a couple of years at that point in time, and 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 that was probably my first real introduction, to AA, one on one, one alcoholic talking to another. It wasn't sitting in a, a group setting at a treatment center or anything like that. Um, and that was uh, just uh, an experience uh, that I hope I'll cherish and never forget, right? Um, and that I'm able to pass along when, when I'm asked to today. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, for the most part, um, things kind of went in one ear and out the other. And at the end of the conversation, like, so you are going to get me out of here? Or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know what the deal was. And, uh, you know, like, thanks for showing up for 15 minutes. Like, can I go now? Um and sure, you know, he, 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 he let me sit in there. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I ended up uh, getting, you know, um, sentenced to uh, uh, South Carolina Department of Mental Health for the Alcoholically Insane at that point in time. And, and the judge didn't know what we do doing with me. Family didn't know what they were doing with me. My mom showed up to the courtroom, and, and I didn't have a lot of experience in courtrooms. But I knew when I sat on one side and people sat on the other side of the aisle, that means they weren't with me. And, um, and, you know, the judge asked her if she had anything she wanted to say and she said, I don't care what you do with them, send them as far away from here as possible. And, you know, that's just, that's just the, the, the chaos and the turmoil that I created in our family. And, um, once again, like, how dare you? I can't believe you're doing this to me. I can't believe you're not going to bail me out of this one. Um. And, and, and all of those things had stemmed from a direct result of the way that I was drinking and, and using drugs and, uh, to, to get what I needed to get, and, um, you know, I, uh, I left there and, and went to that place that the judge sent me to and, and stayed there for a little while, and they let me out of there eventually, and, uh, Probably mentally unstable even more when I left there than I got there, you know, and still no solution. Still no, uh I hadn't been able to tap into any sort of real solution at that point in time. The solution had probably been exposed to me on a number of different occasions, but, uh, you know, I was never. Uh, I was never ready, you know, I was uh, I was just I was still trying to fight it and still trying to find my way and still trying to think that other people were my problem or, or drugs were my problem but alcohol wasn't and, and I'd continue to drink for a little while and drinking would turn into other things and it was just uh it was just a fiasco and, and I tried to keep up with it for as long as I could, but I'd continue to knock my head down every single time. Every single time I would find myself back at square one. And um <clears throat> I uh you know, I, I, there's a, a particular occasion in, uh, that I think about. Um, it wasn't my last drunk, but it was, uh, it was w- probably the one that comes to mind when I, when I feel, when I think about where alcohol and substances take me. Um, you know, I was, uh, I just got out of jail again. Um, and I got a hold of this one girl, and uh, um, she was, uh gosh, she was part of the working class, if you will. And, um, and I ended up swindling her out of some money and, uh, told her I'd be back in an hour with her money. And he, of course, don't come back. And, uh, and I ended up going to go hang out with the boys or, you know, these guys in a hotel room and I get holed up in a hotel room for the day and, and I'm spending all this money that I just, you know, um, you know, just got out of her and, uh, and, and sure enough, I kid you not. Um, she ends up getting brought to the hotel room and i had no idea these guys even knew who she was you know what i mean and she walks in and she's been you know trying to blow my phone up all day and uh and wondering where her money is and and i practically robbed the girl and run off with it run off with her money and and, uh, and she shows up and so these guys aren't too happy with me and it's like three or four o'clock in the morning and um they kicked me out of the hotel room. I didn't have any shoes. I didn't have a shirt. I didn't have anything. I was on Savannah Highway in Charleston on West Ashley. And, uh, um, you know, here I am, three or four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I think they had taken my phone. I didn't have a phone, didn't have anything. And I'm walking down the road and uh, there's nowhere to go. Uh, just helpless, hopeless. Um, you know, once again, I had not, uh, I, I, nobody wanted anything to do with me. And, and that's just kind of where my mind takes me to every time I. Um, that's probably one of the worst experiences that I've had to deal with. Just the loneliness and the despair that come with that, and uh, you know, um, just knowing all the harm that I created and, and the harm that I caused for the for the fact that nobody wants to, to associate with me in, what, in any capacity in my life. And um, it's just a very uh, it's a very lonely place to be. And um, you know, uh, from there, uh, typically um, alcohol is a solution. You know, uh, I'll end up coming, uh, I'm a guy that wakes up every day and I try to go through, uh, my, my memory bank and try to figure out who I hadn't stolen from, who I hadn't robbed or who I hadn't taken from and figure out who I'm going to get over on that day to get another bottle or to get another drug. You know what I mean? And, uh, so typically when I'm in that loneliness and that despair as well as I was at that, that night, I, um, uh, I always have a solution to fall back on. And uh, that's just another drunk, right? And uh, I just start drinking again, and I don't have to think about it for as long as I stay drunk. And uh, and when I come down, it's it's my mind's rolling again, my mind's racing. I've got all these things going on in my head, and I can't think about, I can't quit thinking about uh, the things that I'd done to to other people, and, and uh, it's just a terrible place to live. Um, and so I, uh, <clears throat> that's just once again, that's just that wasn't my last drunk, but that was definitely uh, one of the most uh, memorable. Loneliest places that I've ever been in my life, and, and uh, truth of the matter is, is, is thinking about that won't prevent me from drinking again. Um, and, but uh, but I've got to got to continue to keep those memories fresh, um, although they uh, the, that that, won't, that alone will not stop me from drinking again, and, and I know that today uh, because I drink again. You know what I mean? Um, but I uh, I ended up uh, somehow or another getting moved to Charlotte um, court orders. I don't know if anybody ever gotten any court orders before. Uh, but I was sent to, uh, like a transitional living uh, place in Charlotte and, um, and, uh, I, I lived in Charlotte for a couple of years and I was doing okay. And, and I remember I was at this job and, uh, and, and, and things were okay. I wasn't drinking for a few months. Um, um, you know, I was, I was able to hold things together, but I wasn't really involved in anything. Uh, that place would take us to meetings, to outside meetings, and you know, the old druggie buggy, as they call it, we'd pack into a bus and we'd go to a meeting. And um, and and while we were there, uh, I just remember guys coming up to me just like tonight, you know, and just shaking my hand. And, and you know, a guy would ask me, he'd say, "You got a sponsor?" And I say, "No." So, said, "What well, you do now?" I'm thinking. Ain't coming back to this meeting, and uh, you know what I mean. I kind of check that one off the list and, and keep it moving and go to a different meeting, and because you had to go to like five meetings a week or whatever it was, whatever the rules were at that point in time, and just to kind of live in this house. But well, finally, I ended up moving out of the house and and got my own little spot or, or rented a room from somebody. Ain't right? that sophisticated? Um, and uh, and I'm working this job, and uh, uh, things are soon fairly well, once again, no real solution, but I'm not drinking, um, and, and life's going okay, and, and I'm, I, I'm thinking that I'm getting back on my feet, and I remember these guys invited me out after, after work one day, and, uh, and uh, so we're going to Wild Wings, or something like that, something of like the equivalent, and, and we're, gonna, um, you know, we're gonna get some wings and, and a few beers, and I'll go with you, and i, and I go hang out with them, and uh, they're starting to order rounds, and i I don't drink, you know, it's not for me. I don't drink and they're like you don't drink I'm like no I don't drink and these guys don't know me they don't know my past you know what I mean and uh and uh I didn't drink you know we hung out and we for a couple hours and, and I went home that night and you know that, that constitutes a pat on the back you know and uh thinking that yeah, I'm doing alright you know and uh so a, a week or two later that same opportunity arose and I took him up on it I said you know what I'll have a beer. And I think I had two beers that night. And I think I went home after two beers. And uh, I think our literature states try it more than once. And so the next week arose, and um, I went out with those guys. I had two beers. Probably a couple shots. Probably some more shots. And next thing you know, it's 8 or 9 o'clock in the afternoon or the evening. those guys are going home with their families, and I'm just getting started. And, uh, I'm closing the bar down and it just created a whole another cycle for me, entirely different, uh, just another cycle. Um, and so here I am, this, this last few months that I've been able to contain things was just, it was imploding in itself within, within a matter of weeks, you know, and I'm right back at it, you know, uh, right back to doing, um, what I had always done, no solution to my issue. And, um, you know, I got to a point where, uh, you know, I um, just knew that there was more out of life. Once again, I had associated with people that had been involved in AA in the past and uh, that currently were at that point in time. Um, and I knew that, uh, that that people that were just as hopeless as I felt at that point in time were tapping into some sort of solution that allowed them to live normal. And that's all I ever really wanted was just to live normal. Figure that out. Let me know. Um, <clears throat> but I uh, uh, I just knew that, that if I continue to live the way I was living, um, I was probably going to die. I was too much of a coward to take my own life, but there was a lot of time, ty- a lot of nights where I just kind of hoped, and hoped and wished that I would never wake up. You know what I mean? And uh, just, just once again, just a very lonely and deep and dark space, and, and just a space that I really didn't uh, care to be in. And uh, it was just, uh, I was just present in this existence. You know what I mean? I wasn't, wasn't doing anything to better my life, and. Um, And once again, just a lot of alcohol uh, covering up any, any emotions or any, any feelings that I had. Um, And, uh, you know, just kind of going back to, to going to those, going to the bar with those guys, like, you know, um, I've realized that, that uh, through my experience has shown me, I can't guarantee you if I'm going to go drink too. You know what I mean? Like, I've tried on a number of occasions. Uh, sometimes I have drank too, and sometimes I've shut the bar down. I just can't guarantee what that looks like. And I tried for so long, and it would just never work out in my favor. And so, uh, you know, I, I sought out help once again. I was working for, for this one company, or a great company at that point in time. And, and um, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I I feel like I kind of had some things together and um, they offered health insurance. Probably the first time in my life I'd had health insurance. And, and so I wanted a change. I wanted something different. Really uh, at that point in time, I probably just wanted to break out of life. And uh, so I, um, I gotta get sober. Um, I ended up uh, um, going to another detox and, and staying there and uh, and I leave that detox and I'm two or three days out of detox. My mind's racing again, and, and I'm ready to 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 shut it down. And I know that alcohol is the only thing that's going to shut my shut my brain down. And, and I ended up calling that buddy of mine that came and saw me in jail a few years earlier, and I just I just told him I said I think I was calling him for a ride. and He wasn't coming to get me, and uh, I just told him I said, man, like something's got to change. And he said, Blake, you've been trying to do this for quite some time. He said, have you ever sincerely hit your knees and ask something greater than yourself to remove the obsession to drink alcohol? i had never done that. I've been to a ton of different meetings. I've been suggested to pray in the past, and it was just never anything that I really wanted to try. It was nothing that I uh, that I was willing to try, I guess you could say. And and so I um I, I realized I was defeated, um and and I didn't really have any other solution. Um, I, once again, I'm, I'm out of detox, and, and I'm wanting to do something different. Uh, and so I decided to take a suggestion, and I uh, that night I ended up. Um, I hit my knees. I didn't know what I was praying to or who I was praying to, but I just ended up, uh, uh I don't even really know what I said. Um, uh, something along the effects of just something helped me, you know, and, uh, the, the bush didn't burn and I wasn't struck by lightning, but, um, you know, I, uh, I, I slept okay that night and my mind wasn't racing as much as it was and, uh, slept peacefully. Um, uh, and I woke up the next morning and I did the same thing. Um, and I went through that day and anytime any of those thoughts arose I would continue to I didn't know what I was praying to but just just say some, some cliche sayings as, as I was taught um, and uh, we'd go to sleep that night and I'd, I'd hit my knees again and I'd pray didn't really know what I was praying to didn't know what I was saying but just asking for help in some form or fashion and, um, and that's something I've continued to do you know uh, throughout the last few years that I've been sober um, and and uh, some nights, some days I feel more connected, to some sort of spirit, some sort of power than others, you know? And, uh, some days I feel on top of the world. Some days I feel like, uh, you know, um, the guy's not listening. And what I've come to realize is that's called life and, uh, and that guy's always present in my life and I'm blessed to be where I'm at today. Um, and just because things may not be going the way that I think they should, doesn't mean that I'm not on the right track uh, on where I should be headed. But I, uh, I ended up, um, <clears throat> I ended up after that detox and, and, and starting to pray, I ended up getting involved in AA. I ended up, uh, uh I got a sponsor, and, um, a sponsor that had worked the 12 steps, um, and suggested me to do the same. Uh, we sat down every Sunday morning, and we went through the, through, the, through the big book, and, uh, and when it said to read, we read, or when it said to pray, we prayed, when it said to write, we wrote, and, um, and we read through the first 164 pages, and, uh, and through that process, um, you know, there was, uh, a lot of things and a lot of damage and dirt that I didn't really want to talk about or put on paper and, and you know, through the fourth and fifth step. And, and it was one of those things where, uh, that I had to, I, I come to that point within, you know, a few weeks or a couple of months that it took us to get to that fourth step. Um, I really uh, I wasn't working on half measures anymore, and, and and I really believed in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd seen it working in other people's lives. There were other guys around me that were staying sober for a couple of months or a couple of weeks, and and I'd seen the progress that they made, and uh, and so I didn't as much as I didn't want to share these things that I'd been holding on to and taking to my grave. Uh, you know, I uh, I really had to consider if I wanted to have if I wanted to shortchange myself, if I wanted to um, if I wanted to actually. Uh, live this way of life and and, uh, and and talk about some things that I've been holding on to and get honest or if I wanted to kind of hold on to them and see what would happen and, and what I determined is uh, I'd rather fulfill um, you know the commitment that I've made to, to continue to work through the 12 steps and uh, and that consisted of me being honest about everything right um, and so through that process uh, I, I can't sit there and tell you that that you know I had some white light experience uh through six and seven, um, I try to say that seven-step prayer on a regular basis, because if I don't, things can get out of whack. Um, <clears throat> but I uh, got into eight and nine, and um, through eight and nine, uh, I, I just, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not a guy that ran into Alcoholics Anonymous and was just ready to make things right. Uh, I just wasn't. I'm not a guy that came in here and wanted to get the girlfriend back. I didn't want to come in here and, and make amends to all the family members and the employers that I was stolen from. I just that that wasn't part of what I had in mind. Uh what I've learned, it doesn't really matter what I've got in mind, right? And um but uh, I, I see some people come into AA like that and they wanna they wanna correct the wrongs of the past and that just wasn't me and uh, I just had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and and uh, what i 've been able to experience is when i 'm able to stay connected to some sort of power and, and, and a sponsor and, and and go through those immense processes that that there's a lot of growth on the other side of that. I remember uh I was sober probably a year and uh, I flew out west to see my sister and, and her and I, I probably hadn't seen her since then, and uh, we hadn 't seen each other for years prior to then and um, it was a rocky relationship and uh i went out there for one reason one reason only to make our make our relationship right and um and uh you know just being out there we spent four or five days and, and traveled a little bit of the west coast and um <clears throat> you know of course on the the very last night i was there i'm like well, i gotta do it you know and make us amends and i take her out to dinner and i told her why i was there and, and what i had to tell her and 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 uh you know, just explained to her that, uh, that I hadn't been the best brother and that I had, uh, you know, taken money from her in the past and, um, you know, stolen other, you know, items from her and, uh, you know, I wanted to make those things right. And I wanted to correct the wrongs of the past. And, uh, and, you know, it was very emotional, and, and she wanted nothing but to, to forgive me, and and, uh, and we walked out of there, and, and I'm thinking, like, well, it wasn't that bad, you know what I mean? And, uh, and at, at that time, she's like, you know, there's, I'm so glad you're here, don't worry about it, yada, yada. And um, about an hour later, we're leaving dinner, and uh, she's like, so how much money did you steal from me? <laughs> you know, like, all right, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road. And um, this is where I got to get honest and, and uh, make those things right. And uh, so that's what I was taught to do. And that's what I did. And I've got some other really cool immense experiences that I've been able to make over the years. Because uh, once again, where I live now and where I was living when I got sober is not where I was drinking. It's not where uh, a lot of the harm that I, that I caused took place. And, and so I'm having to travel and mind you for the first year and a half i was sober i didn't have a license didn't have a vehicle um i was working a you know a, a very dead-end job at that point in time but but i loved every bit of it i was going to meetings i was helping other guys um i was just be outside working throughout the day i'd have my headphones in i'd listen to a bunch of speaker tapes and uh and i loved every bit of life i was living in a sober living environment and um, and i just wanted more out of life i wanted to be able to contribute to life rather than take away and 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 that just uh, continued to lay a foundation of a lifestyle for me to be able to, um, uh, to, to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, and so, uh, you know, getting back to what I'm mentioning is the fact that a lot of the amends, uh, I more or less had to travel. I was suggesting not to make amends over the phone suggested not to uh, if I had to I could write a letter um but that's that's after trying to set a a, a date and time to meet with somebody in person and, and then not being able to and, and then uh going through the process of um, you know uh writing a letter to if I can't get in touch with certain folks and and those are um just once again things that I didn't want to do things that I uh you know I, I thought would um that I could get away with without doing and uh you know, uh, I'll stand here and tell you today my amends aren't aren't finished. You know, I've still got certain amends that I haven't completed, um, and uh, I'm not proud to say that. Um, you know, the opportunities uh, haven't necessarily. Uh, I probably could do better work at at making certain things right. Um, I've done quite a bit, um, and, and for the most part, I've got nothing. But uh, well, for the yeah there's I've had some bad men's experiences too and and luckily I've had a sponsor to kind of bounce those things off of um but you know through uh through through that process and through being able to um grow through through those experiences um some somewhere along the way um I became less less interested in myself you know and uh i had had some sort of psychic change um, to allow me to recover from alcoholism. And uh, I've had uh, um, just a lot of really cool experiences uh, since being sober and and a lot of really cool experiences being able to work with other guys. Um, And that's just probably the biggest blessing is is through living that way of life through 10 and 11 is uh, working with others, right? It's through being able to... um, to admit that I don't know everything and, uh, and, and try to, uh, stay out of the way. Um, I've got the opportunity to, to share what, what experience that I have with others and, and let them learn from their own experience. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, you know, the, the, the commitments that I currently hold, you know, and, uh, detox or HNI and, and, um, you know, uh, the, the CPCPI work that, that I've been involved with. Um, those are just things that, that allow me to hopefully plant a seed as it once was in my life. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and somewhere along the way, uh, some guys have asked me to help them stay sober one day at a time. And, and I've, and I've offered my, uh, my time to be able to do that. So, um, Julie, thanks, thanks a lot for asking me to come up here. I, uh, once again, I, I hope I delivered an effective message. Um, I hope that, uh, that if anybody in here is uh, brand new, um, that there's some some guys in this area, uh, some 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 guys in this area that are that are willing to help, and uh, um, I just encourage uh, um, anybody struggling to uh, to latch on. So, thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.